Welcome to the Merge Feast, the podcast where we satisfy your cravings for all things Survivor. We're your hosts, Sam and Mags, and this is a recap for season 45, episode 13. The finale. It's over. We watched it. What a freaking fantastic end to the season. It really was a great finale. Yeah. I was nervous. Before we do the recap, I have to say when I went to watch it last night, I watched it on YouTube TV, the icon, it was D wearing the individual immunity necklace. I noticed that too. And it was also D and Austin holding hands. Uh-huh. Thought that was a huge spoiler. It was a huge spoiler considering that after the, you know, the episode had two immunity challenges mm-hmm. and when she didn't win the first one, I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I have a huge spoiler you know that she is she for wins. sure in the final three. And that she wins, it kind of ruined the whole thing because I'm like, well, you know who she's going to take. That's funny because I forgot. As (laughs) I was watching the episode, I forgot that I had seen that spoiler. Oh, I never forget a spoiler. Well, we start this episode a little bit differently than the other episodes. Yeah. Um, We get Jeff's monologue. Do we always get that? No. Well, maybe on the finales. I think he's been doing that lately. He kind of talks, but not every episode, obviously. Right. I like it. He talks about numbers versus loyalty and how, you know, do you go with the numbers or do you stay loyal to your relationships and how he proposes that those things are kind of opposed to each other when in reality they're they're not. They're the same. If you want to go with your numbers, you're being loyal to your relationships. So Mm. kind of a weird monologue by Jeff here. He's just trying to stir up emotion. We've decided, you and I, that we're going to do today's episode a little bit differently too. Mm -hmm. We are going to spoil it right at the beginning. Yeah. So if you have not watched the finale and you don't want it to be spoiled, I'm sorry. (laughs) We thought it could be fun to really analyze everything that the winner did so that we can talk about all the fantastic moves and what makes that person a winner. The winner of Survivor 45 was, of course, D. D. Before we start getting into the actual recap, when Jeff is doing his monologue, he talked about getting the million dollar check. And I watch a lot of shows where money is a prize. For the first time ever, I'm thinking about getting a million dollar check. And how funny is that to, is that literally how they give them the money? Is it a check? Yeah, of course. Because like, do you just like do your mobile deposit and then you just sit there and wait for a million dollars to be deposited into your account? Do you take it into the bank? Like it just seems crazy. You take a picture of the front and the back. (laughs) Can you imagine just like sitting at home on your counter, filling that out and then you just like four seconds later you have a million dollars in your account and then you get an email from the irs a few minutes later that's like hey buddy how's it going <laughs> all right well after jeff's monologue we kind of get our recap from last episode which again austin is smitten he's smitten with d and we see drew get blindsided again mm-hmm. austin had the chance to save drew with his amulet but austin played it for himself rather than putting it on drew and Drew goes home. Right. Austin does say later that, of course, he was really sad about this, but in the end, that ended up being the best move for his game. And I definitely agree with that. I disagree with that. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I think he tried to spin it in front of the jury. Like, oh, yeah, I even if I had known, I wouldn't have saved Drew. It was good for Drew to go home. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. Like, I think he definitely would have saved Drew if he had known and had the chance. Really? I think he, I think he was just trying to spin it to make it right, seem like right. a positive thing for himself. Well, I think it was great for his game. Of course, D going home would have been best. Mm-hmm. I've been saying that for weeks now, though, that they needed to go for each other. Nobody ever listens to me. <laughs> 
I I always looked at it from Dee's perspective where she could go to the end with any of those four and win. Right. But after the vote, night at the beach, Austin is the only one who was left out of that vote. So he's shocked. He puts his hands on his head and the little knot that's tied in his buff, uh-huh. it comes undone. What? Did you notice really? this? <laughs> yeah. Because he wears his, his buff in that kind of signature style uh-huh. that we never see. The little tiny knot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which we had one of our listeners, Iris from Orem, wrote in and said, I hate that. But that little <laughs> knot came undone. But D is immediately on damage control mode. Mm-hmm. She is trying to repair her relationship with Austin. So she takes him out to the beach one-on-one talk time. Right. It was a really sweet moment in my opinion. She apologizes for blindsiding him. This is like a real conversation. It's not like a survivor conversation. You know, like she's saying, I'm sorry, I lied to you yesterday. And he is so sweet and kind about it. It was like I was cupcaking just watching it. It was so cute. A super wholesome moment. He forgives her. After he forgives her, Dee's like, are you sure? Because I didn't return the trust that you gave me when you told me that we were voting for Julie. And I just thought, why is she saying that after he already <laughs> forgave her? Yeah, she's like, rubbing it in. Yeah. Like, I don't think you understand how yeah. badly I betrayed you. That's what she's saying. It's like an employee telling their boss, hey, you know what? I stole 50 units of product from the warehouse. And the boss being like, okay, well, thank you for telling me it's all right. And the employee being like, are you sure? Because 50 is like a really big number. That's right. And it was our <laughs> most expensive stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Austin forgives her pretty much immediately. And uh, he's at that stage in the kind of the honeymoon stage of their relationship where he just can't stay mad at her. <laughs> I, think, I think honestly he gets it. He knows it's a game. He's kind of separating the personal side of it from the game side of it, which is good. It was a good look on him because I think if he came back guns blazing, that would have been really unattractive. Yeah, he's playing a different game right. at this point. Right. He is playing the... How do I stay together with D and potentially have a relationship after this is right. over uh-huh. rather than how do I win the million dollars, Yeah, which is a bummer for him and his bank account, but right. who knows? Maybe it works out for him in the end. I was going to say, it's like I said about Boston Rob a few episodes ago. Boston Rob is one of the only people in reality TV show history who has not won the money who can actually say they got something better than the money. If he ends up marrying D, then... He can say it was worth it. Yeah. So he's playing the long game. We'll see. To be honest, marrying D seems like a tougher task than just trying to get a million dollars. <laughs> their relationship at this point is pretty obvious to the rest of their tribe mates. Like they're, they've stopped trying to hide it. Katura obviously knows she was on that. She was the third wheel on their little helicopter date. Katura says, I am disgusted. I let it get this far. And <laughs> I feel like she does and should shoulder most of that responsibility. Because she was on the reward where they were literally holding hands. Mm-hmm. Of course, we as the viewer had hints that they were having a little showmance, but in front of everybody, besides like laughing together, they weren't doing any sort of like snuggling, holding hands. But Katura went on that reward, saw them hold hands, watched them fall in love, came back to camp and said, guess what, everybody? Let's blindside Drew. Yeah. Nothing to see there. She just thought they were caught up in the moment. <laughs> she she was thinking, wow, yeah, helicopter ride would make anybody hold hands. <laughs> I have to say the editing in this episode, top notch. You know, I'm just obsessed with it this season, but mm-hmm. Katura says they're literally attached at the hip and then it cuts to a shot of Austin and Dee sitting hip to hip. <laughs> 
There were a couple moments like that in this episode uh-huh. that had some good jump cuts. Yep. Austin and Dee are sitting on the beach and he says, do you want to head back? And she says, no, I want to stay out longer, which was so cute. So they just kind of sit on, on the beach and chat. And it was such a sweet moment. And Julie says, should somebody tell them none of us are going to sleep until they come back? <laughs> Morning time at the Dakuwaka Beach. They are immediately met with an in-camp challenge, the combination lock advantage challenge. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm calling it. Okay. It rolls right off the tongue. Yes, it does. Well, let's see. This is technically a challenge. Do you want to do a challenge breakdown? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So they have a six-digit combination that they need to unlock. There are three sets of numbers that will unlock it. To identify those three numbers, they have to run to three different stations that are spread across the island. One that has coconuts, one that has bamboo, and the other that has crabs. They have to run to each, count the number of them, run to other ones, tally those ones up as well, come back and try the numbers on the combination lock. If they are incorrect, they have to run to each of the stations again before they can come back and try it. They start, they they basically just scatter on the beach. They start running to these stations. They don't really know where the stations are, so they're kind of looking for them at first. They're on opposite sides of the beach. Yeah. And if you remember, this is a new beach. They had to start over. So they're not familiar with the area that much. They just got there and they're looking for a big cage of crabs, pile of coconuts, and a kind of a sculpture made out of bamboo. Right. Austin and Dee are working together, of course. They run off together. They get to the crabs first and they're telling each other what they've counted. And you'd think that that would help them. It did not. Did not help them. <laughs> Jake has a a confessional where he says, you know, he's not the best runner, but he can count with the best of them. <laughs> he knows his strengths. I think this was a absolutely fantastic tactic by Jake. He knew he couldn't compete in the speed aspect of it. He took the tail of the turtle and the rabbit who are racing. The he tortoise did. and the hare. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> turtle and the rabbit. Potato, potato. <laughs> Anyways, he takes that tactic of just going slow and steady, and hey, it won it for him. It pays off, although he does make it incredibly harder for himself than it needed to be. When? He talks about how he remembered the numbers. No, that is a fantastic method. What? Yes, that is a memorization technique. How is that in any way easier than just remembering the numbers? Because you you can't just remember the numbers. You're like, okay, 23, 23, 23, I'm going to remember that. Then you get up there and you're like, is it 23 or 24? You can't remember. (laughs) But when you tie that number like Jake did, he takes Gabler who won season 43 of Survivor and he says, okay, Gabler, he won 43. There are 43 coconuts. Gabler's a little coconutty, 43. And then that number stuck in in his head. I get how it works. I just think that remembering that JT won Survivor token teens in season 18, that seems way harder to me than just remembering 18. Our, our minds are wired yeah. differently because it just must. remembering a straight up number would be too confusing. I would second guess everything. But then once you've tied it to something, it sticks. It made me laugh. It was entertaining. I thought it was funny that he was doing it that way. Impressed, uh, actually, that he mm-hmm. could remember the winner of every season of Survivor. It was incredible. That memory mm-hmm. is nuts. Talk about coconutty. Yeah. And we- <laughs> you've been waiting. Did you write that one down? No, I didn't. <laughs> This episode was one of, not just the finale, but it was one of the funniest episodes 
of the whole season. Mm-hmm. Like I laughed out loud several times. I agree. And I think that's because we got such a heavy dose of Jake. Yep. But this was his moment. He goes slow and steady, not in the way that Bruce tried to do it that one time a couple episodes ago. Oh, yeah. When they were collecting the money in the little tubes around camp. Yeah. He's, he got more hustle than Bruce, but he just prioritized accuracy. Right. And it pays off for him. He's able to solve the combination lock first, although he's not the first to attempt. Pretty much everybody attempts it before him, but mm-hmm. they all get things wrong. And he gets the advantage, which is an advantage in the upcoming immunity challenge. Well, I've got the immunity challenge breakdown. Are you ready for it? I'm ready for it. Okay. They start by crawling under a wooden obstacle and digging up a machete. They use that machete to slash a rope, which releases a pile of sandbags. From there, they toss the sandbags into three baskets. The baskets then reveal three numbers. Those numbers solve a combination lock, which releases a set of keys. After climbing a super tall tower, they will use those keys to unlock and solve a three-tiered survivor puzzle. I think this challenge looked like it was about as long as a football field. Not exaggerating. Would yeah, you agree? This was a monster challenge. Yeah, it was really big. Huge. It was really long and it had a ton of like physical exertion, climbing, army crawling, and then throwing. A tough puzzle at the end. Yep. Yeah. They get the come on in from Jeff with a dose of epic music and slow mo shots. Mm-hmm. There was extra slow mo. Yeah, there was. Close ups and things in this episode just to. Really get you hyped for the finale. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I think that was one of the most jarring aspects of season 41 was this yes. new kind of editing style with a lot more slow-mo, a lot more clo- like uncomfortably close-up shots. Yes, I agree. Survivor used to never do that. When season 41 started, we got a lot of epic shots that normally would be like in a movie or a drama TV show. We used to never get really people's backstories. Now we get backstories with pictures from their childhood. I love the new change. Yeah, it was shocking at first, but it's definitely grown on Mm -hmm. me. It can be cheesy, but sometimes that's that's what I want. For sure. This is also a reward challenge. The reward is a steak dinner with potatoes at the sanctuary. I wondered if Jake, who seems to have survivor history stuck in his head i wondered if he had the same thought as i did which was steak on survivor is not a reward fbi joe would tell us otherwise i wrote in my notes no this is what took out joe yes (laughs) (laughs) for those of you guys who need a little little refresher joe went on a steak reward ate so much steak that it constipated him, couldn't poop, was miserable that he couldn't poop and had to go home. <laughs> he had to go home right at the end. He was in like final five. Yeah. What was the, what season was that? We should look that up. It, it definitely was like a brains, brawn, beauty. He was on season 32, brains, brawn, beauty. So don't overdo it the steak. If you ever go on Survivor and you win the steak reward, go light on the steak. <laughs> Eat lots of salad. Jake's advantage comes into play here as well. He has two of his sandbags already in the nets. So he only has to get one sandbag into the closest net. Which I was wondering, did you think that was a good advantage for him? Yeah, because we've already established he has no touch. Right. So great advantage for Jake in particular. (laughs) They're off to the races. The first few parts of this challenge are all kind of like the digging for the machete and cutting down the coconuts and the sandbags and all that. It's all just kind of fluff. You know, everybody kind of does all those things 
in this very close to right. each other. Julie's a little behind. She can't really dig up her machete. Yeah, she like finds it, but she can't get it out of the <laughs> sand. But they get to the sandbag throwing portion. Jake has that huge advantage. His furthest two nets were both already done. So he is able to get that closest one in pretty quickly. Austin is right there with him though. Yeah. And Austin gets his sandbags in and is right on Jake's tail. Jake gets to the combination lock and solves it. Yanks that thing out and runs up the tall tower. What did you call it? The super tall tower. Leaving his keys behind. Huge mistake. He gets all the way to the top of his tower before realizing that he left his keys and had to turn around and go back and get them completely squashing the lead that he had. Yep. He is now neck and neck with Austin. Austin, in fact, is a little bit ahead of Jake. Jake is uh, is watching him start to put his puzzle together. This is the puzzle that Michelle, ironically enough, I think that was the same season that Joe was taken out by the steak dinner. Oh, yeah. Michelle wins this challenge. Is that the same season? Let's see. Yeah, that's the same episode. I mean, the same season. Same season. So we have we have a brains versus brawn versus beauty. Basically, I want to call it a revival, a remake here with this puzzle and the danger of a steak dinner <laughs> uh, going on. Austin is the first one to really figure this puzzle out. So Austin and Jake have a new technique that I haven't seen before. When they're doing this puzzle, it is laid out on a circle that has um, like little designated spots where you're supposed to put your stack. There's probably like six stacks. And most people will place them in those designated spots that are probably six inches apart each. Jake and Austin, instead of putting them in those designated spots that are far apart, put them on their table and put them really close to each other so that you can easily see the height of all of them. Then once they're all the same, then they disperse them into their designated spot, which I think was really smart. Because yeah. when they're far apart like that, that's whenever you start missing heights. Yeah, and it takes longer to move things around. For sure. I would just offer a caveat that I think that was Austin's strategy that Jake looked at and thought, that's a good idea. <laughs> That seemed to be the whole pattern to this. Right. Basically, Jake was cheating off of Austin. Mm -hmm. So Austin was just a minute or two ahead of Jake. But I wasn't worried for Austin because for each level of the puzzle, Jake would just wait until Austin had it and then would copy whatever he did. Right. Even when they all were, uh, both of them were on the third tier of the puzzle at the same time. Uh, Jake had not shown that he was capable of doing that puzzle right. without seeing how somebody else had done it first. Well, he also had another disadvantage because there was a piece of his puzzle that was off to the side, kind of hiding behind the lip, so he couldn't see it. So he was out here struggling on that last round, trying to make it work and just could not figure it out. And he didn't see that that puzzle piece was missing until after the challenge was over. Meanwhile... Dee is still trying to throw her sandbag in the furthest net. <laughs> she she was making it look like that net was like four miles away. <laughs> Did you notice that? No, that's hilarious. Didn't seem like anybody else had any trouble, but Dee trying to get that sandbag into the furthest net, she was like trying to throw that sandbag <laughs> as far as she possibly could. 
took everything she had. That is amazing. Jake, when he finally gets his uh, things stacked and they're all the same height, he does a great. Uh, he has a great quote. He says, "Ding ding." <laughs> Jake, yeah. He just says, "Ding ding." I thought that was good. Good moment to to ding ding it. So you know, there's like that statistic about people who win the lottery uh-huh. that they usually end up being poorer than they were before they won the lottery after a few years. Mm-hmm. You know, like they blow through it. I kind of wondered if this is like the effect that that winning that advantage had on Jake, where like he was so excited that he won it, and then he ended up losing more in the end. He dropped his keys. He lost that puzzle piece. Ding ding! I think you're right. I I don't know. I I don't think he would have been nearly as close if not for that advantage. I think it would have taken him a lot longer to get those sandbags and the the nets. He may have still taken second place but it wouldn't have been nearly as close of a second place. I don't know. I think he could have done it. I think the ha- the thought of having the advantage made him feel a little too comfortable. And I think that's, you know, he forgot the key. Like he wasn't on his A game like most people are who have nothing. Austin had no advantage, obviously, and was able to pull it out. That's true. Like when, uh, you, when you don't have that, the idea of a safety net, I think it makes you perform better. Uh, I see what you're saying. Austin does end up winning immunity without a safety net, and he wins the reward. He channels Michelle, who also won this puzzle, and he kicks it down just right. like she did on her season. I did think this is one of the only acceptable times to kick a puzzle down. It looked like a fun one to uh-huh. kick down. Jeff has to point out Jake's failure to him. He walks all the way over yeah, just to tell Jake, hey, hey num nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you got a piece. You left a piece out. It was sad for Jake. <laughs> yeah, it was sad for Jake. Poor <laughs> poor Jake is frustrated. This is another comedy moment while Jeff's talking to Austin about his victory. Jake's holding that piece and he flips it up in the air and tries to catch it and he drops it. <laughs> this gives off the same vibe to me like when you're watching a basketball game and forgive me for not knowing the basketball lingo, but the ref blows his whistle to pause the game mm-hmm. because something's gonna miss. Mm-hmm. And the person who was about to shoot the ball still shoots the ball uh-huh. and then misses. And that's embarrassing. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it is a little embarrassing. Austin has the opportunity to choose one person to go eat steak with. He chooses Jake. I was so happy he chose Jake. Yeah, Jake deserved it. Mm-hmm. Also, he couldn't risk, Austin couldn't risk knocking D out due to constipation. <laughs> so he had to choose someone who was expendable. Right. That, that was Jake. Mm-hmm. Jake is thrilled. After the challenge, we go back to the Dakuwaka Beach. We get a little bit of pinging around between the beach and the sanctuary and back to the beach. But at the beach, Julie is still trying to cut Jake out. Julie says to Katura that she wants Jake gone because she doesn't trust him. Mm-hmm. I'm over here thinking, sis, that part of the game is over. You don't need to build trust with Jake anymore, mm-hmm. but you just need to start thinking, who can I beat in two days at final three? Mm-hmm. Very true. And then she says in her, her confessional, here's a direct quote. The jury wants to see me as mom with a loyal relationship, so I can't vote out D. I just knew that was not true. I've seen enough final tribal council jury questions for for me to know that somebody was going to ask her the opposite. 
Julie, you've been out here pretending to be Mama J. Tell me one time whenever you went against that instinct and actually played a cutthroat game. Yeah, that sounds exactly like Uh something someone would say. Julie is just lost in terms of her force, like what, what her final tree looks like. Right. Because you're exactly right. Her whole game has been do whatever details are to do. Mm-hmm. And so when she gets to the end, she can say, yeah, I was mom and I was loyal to D. And then D says, yeah, she was loyal to me. She did whatever I said. And everybody says, okay, we're going to vote for D. I mean, that's it. Right. That, that sums up how that for final tribal would go. Mm-hmm. D is worried about Jake because he's an attorney. I don't want to go up against a lawyer. And she confides that to Julie and Katura, who are both secret lawyers. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Pretty good. Thus solidifying to Katura and Julie that they made the right move, not telling that they were lawyers. It, it's a theme. This whole episode, being a lawyer is a Strong major topic. Theme. Yeah. At the reward, they are sharing uh, their meal together and they cheers their glass of wine. Now, I do not fancy myself a wine drinker, but I know that whenever you see a glass of wine, it's usually only like one third full. Mm -hmm. But these wine glasses were filled nearly to the brim. I'd never seen a wine glass so full. In your whole life? In my whole life. I don't think it's supposed to be like that. It looked unnatural. (laughs) There's no space to swirl. Uh (laughs) And believe it or not, it gets worse than that Uh because... Jake just up and tells Austin about his idol. Hmm. Why did he do that? Jake is, he's a comedy of errors. Honestly. To quote Shakespeare. <laughs> why would he tell Austin about the idol? And why in the world is he still trying to get Julie out? Honestly, he's got the same problem Julie does, which is look at your targets. Who can't you beat? Look around. Uh-huh. Open your eyes. <laughs> Open your eyes. Finally, they go back to the Dakawaka Beach and connect back up. All five are on the beach. And this is when the chaos erupts. We get another one of my most favorite editing techniques mm-hmm. here. The jump cut. The jump cut. Mm-hmm. It's like the scene on Disney Cars where... Disney Cars? <laughs> what did I call it? Disney Cars. Yeah. What was I supposed to call it? Cars. Well, do you think everybody knows? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Lightning McQueen is supposed to be headed back onto his trailer and he looks for his trailer and he's like, hey, where is it? And Max says, I parked it over at your sponsor's tent. Lightning McQueen goes, no, no, no. And it cuts to the ad of him for his sponsor saying, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the exact same thing happens here. Jake is walking on the beach with Austin. He says, hey, don't tell anyone about my idol. Austin says, sure thing, man. Cut to D and Austin. Austin says, Jake has an idol. (laughs) This chaos that happens on the beach is entertaining, but it is pretty much a microcosm of how the whole season has gone. I would totally agree with that. There's not much (laughs) strategizing, to use a scientific term. There's The strategy is all over the place, Mm -hmm. and nobody is thinking outside of, what do I want? Yes. Finally, Katura sees a little bit of light. Mm-hmm. And she says, hey, whoa, I think D is a pretty good player. Yeah. Maybe I should try and do something to get D out. She goes to Jake. She convinces Jake. She convinces him mm-hmm. to vote out D. 
begs him. Makes him swear on his Nana. Uh-huh. All right. She says, pick whatever's most important to you. Swear on that. <laughs> says, all right, my Nana. And then she says, say the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I swear on my Nana. That I am voting I for am D. I am voting for D. Meanwhile, Julie knows that Jake has an idol. And she says, you know what? I'm going to vote for Jake anyways and hope the idol is fake. <laughs> what? <laughs> what sort of stupid gameplay is this? What is happening? Yeah, that's a great idea. Don't split the vote. Everybody just pile your votes on Jake when Austin has literally seen the idol. <laughs> they know he has it. I think he's lying. What sort of gameplay is that? Like, why wouldn't Julie just say, all right, let's get Katura then. She's expendable. This is wild. Okay, so you have a plan put in play by two people, two of the five. Right, so you have (laughs) Katura and Jake Mm -hmm. have this plan to vote out D. They only have two of them. There are three of the opposition in an alliance, Mm -hmm. the Reba three. Julie... Who's just decided she's going to vote Jake no matter what. Uh-huh. Who cares what anybody else says or does? If he plays his idol, it's fake. Guess what, Julie? If nobody else votes for Jake <laughs> and his idol is fake, he's still not going home. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Here, vote That is Jake a throwaway vote. meant nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. doesn't matter if it's real or not if nobody is going to vote for uh-huh. him. If you're the only person who votes for Jake, it's all over for you. All right, then we have D and Austin. Mm-hmm. D says, I'm not voting for Julie. I'm voting for Katura, mm-hmm. no matter what. Right. Austin is like, hmm, maybe I'll vote for Julie. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Why not? I don't know if anybody else is. I mean, they've told me they are, so I guess that means it must be Jake has an idol, so he's definitely not going to try and pull anything with that. <laughs> Ironically, Dee's voting for Katura no matter what. Mm-hmm. Julie's voting for Jake no matter what. <laughs> for no reason. Jake and Katura have a plan to vote out D. Right. But there's still only two votes. Mm-hmm. All Austin has to do is put his vote on Katura also, and that protects D. Right. Right? That protects both D and Julie, in fact. Right. If Austin is under the impression that Katura and Jake are going to vote for Julie with him, he still might as well throw his vote on Katura. Sure. And then it's two votes on Julie, two votes on Katura, one vote on Jake, <laughs> and there's a re-vote, and Austin can flip his vote to Julie at that point. Right. And vote Julie out. Mm-hmm. But by voting for Katura, he's protecting D. We get a uh, a misspoken phrase here. Oh, we love those. Katura says in her confessional right before heading to tribal council, I'm a little bit nervous that my name is on the block. I believe the phrase is, my name is on the chopping block. Eh, I'll give it to her. <laughs> what? I when you say it like that, meant. it's just like the word on the block. It's like changed into like a neighborhood feel. Jenny on the block? Uh-huh. Well, I don't know what that is, but... J-Lo. Jennifer Lopez? Why'd you say Jenny on the block? Is the, isn't that a song? Alexa, play Jenny on the block. Jenny from the block. Jenny from the block. All right. All right. I stand corrected. (laughs) (laughs) Alexa, stop. But my point is made. 
when Jennifer Lopez wrote that song, she wasn't saying Jenny's name is on the chopping block. They go to tribal council, one of three. Well, they all do their small talk like they do. Mm -hmm. They go place their votes. They get back. Jeff says, would anybody like to play any advantages or hidden immunity idols? And Jake says, Jeff, have you heard my Tony? Why can't I do a, a Boston accent anymore? <laughs> anymore. What are you? Are you, <laughs> you don't think it was good at the beginning of the season? <laughs> Rude. <laughs> Anyways, Jake basically says, Oi, Jeff, have you heard my impression? <laughs> Anyways, he says, have you, heard my, have you heard my impression of Tony? Jeff says, no, I haven't. So he goes up there and gives him his idol. Does his impression of, of Tony saying, can you verify this for me? He plays the idol for Katura. Katura is shook. She's thrilled. They read the first vote and it says Katura. And Jake just goes, yes! With, you know, like the arm. <laughs> the fist pump. Fist pump. He's so excited. Mm -hmm. And then the next vote is for Jake. Jake just goes, ah, <laughs> <laughs> The votes start to, to roll in all over the place, of mm -hmm. course. We get the first one for Katura, second one for Jake, third one for D, and then we get the Julie vote. Right. And the next vote comes in. It's the last vote. Julie. Katura panicked and switched her vote to Julie. Julie gets up to, to leave to get her torch snuffed and she stands up. She gives Katura a hug and says, hey, I'm going to tell you something. And whispers in her ear, you should go to law school. Completely rocks Katura's world. Right. Because neither of them know that the other is a lawyer. Right. And it probably came out of left field. It mm -hmm. wasn't like Jake was telling her. Because right. I assume that Katura has talked with Jake about potentially. Yeah, like maybe know. I'm interested in that. Yeah, but I, it doesn't seem like Julie and Katura had ever said that. You know? Right. So Julie and Katura have, a, a, I thought that was a cool moment. It was great. It really shows that Julie has, she is like a mom figure to these guys. She knows their personalities and their strengths, which I think is sweet. They get back to camp. They're kind of sitting around in a circle and Jake looks to Katura and thinks, eh, this is as good a place as any to air out my dirty laundry. Yeah. <laughs> he confronts her. Well, Jake really, he's like Owen. Do you remember Owen from a few seasons ago? Uh -huh, I loved Owen. Who always said he was Charlie Brown, mm -hmm. where people kept teeing the football up for him to kick and yep. Lucy would just yank it away at the uh -huh. last second. That's Jake. It's Jake. To a T. Mm -hmm. They are twins in that way where every time jake has tried to make a move katura now twice this is the second <laughs> time she has ruined one of his well laid out plans that would have worked yep katura tries to turn her out on him like you need some accountability i didn't make you do anything jake and katura are both kind of tattling to austin and d trying to stay in their good graces mm -hmm. and she says in the end i just didn't trust jake and I'm just over here, like, screaming to my TV, like, then why did you go to him in the first place? You went to him. Mm -hmm. He didn't come to you and beg you to do something, and then you got scared. You went to him. You begged him to switch his vote, and then you got scared. Mm -hmm. And Katura seals her own fate. Mm -hmm. I mean, seals everybody's fate. That was her and Jake's last chance to make a big move. I mean, that was it. Mm -hmm. Her changing her vote at the last second because she was scared just... Basically waved the white flag. Yes. Because she had no, couldn't risk going home and would rather go to the end with no big moves. Right. That's what she decided. And I really think that 
this probably keeps Katura up at night because I hope so. Had she voted for D, D would have been gotten out. Mm-hmm. And who's to say what would have happened after that? Because D's the one who won the final immunity challenge. She's the one who got to decide who got to make fire and who she brought with her. And she's the one who made it to final tribal and won. So obviously you take D out of that equation, things are so shaken up yeah. that I'm sure that Katura has replayed that in her mind and thought that over probably about a million times. She gets D out right there. They're looking at potentially a Katura, Jake, Julie final three. Uh, and that's a totally different game. Mm-hmm. Totally different. Mm-hmm. And and she has, plus she has a big move on her resume. Right. She got D out. Yep. Plus then she can reveal that she's a lawyer. Everybody loves a big surprise reveal of Final Tribal. And for some reason, everybody loves lawyers uh-huh. in this season. <laughs> we go to the final immunity challenge. Anything to touch on before we get to the final immunity challenge? No, let's take a quick break and I'll give you a recap when we get back. Christmas is now less than a week away, but it's not too late to head over to Jancy & Co. to snag some of those great holiday deals for that special someone in your life. Macrame, embroideries, weavings, Jancy & Co. is here to make the perfect alliance with your holiday shopping need. For a limited time, save 26% with code HOLIDAYMERGE at Jancy & Co. on Etsy and at jancyann.com. This code is not going to last for very much longer. I would hurry up and use it before it expires. Okay, let's get to our challenge breakdown. For this challenge, they are going to maneuver through a grid of ropes while using a long fork type thingy to hold a bowl and place it at the end of a small perch that is connected to the rope grid. Once they set down one bowl, they have to go back through the grid to get another. First to finish wins immunity. Pretty painstaking challenge here i thought when they were showing the preview and jeff is explaining the challenge and they show the previews Mm -hmm. you know they have the dream team interns running the challenge so you can see someone doing it right when they show the the person tripping and knocking all the stack of bowls over Mm -hmm. super believable trip by that dream team intern (laughs) i thought they did a great job you think it was fake um, they must have, must have been fake. They get started and they are off to the races. Austin goes just booking it through that rope grid. High knees. It becomes apparent that this is not Austin's challenge. Mm-hmm. He's almost like a bull in a china shop. A bull or a bull? A bull. <laughs> a bull? Say it the other way. A bull? What did I say? A bull? A bull. They're stacking bowls, so I didn't want to get mixed up with a bowl in a china shop. Oh, now that's tricky. stacking bowls, yeah. Yeah. Now, Austin was like a (laughs) B-U-L-L in a china shop. He is trying to get through the rope grid. He's just, he's going too fast. He's got no chill, which is his problem here. He is the first person I've ever seen in this challenge knock over one bowl. He puts it on there and he loses it going back to get his second. (laughs) Not great. Really, it becomes pretty apparent pretty early that this challenge is going to be between D and Jake. Right. So this seems like a type of challenge that being tall would be a huge advantage. Really? Yeah. um, Tell me if you think this is right because you don't have to lift your legs as high to get through the rope grid. And when you're stacking your bowls as it gets higher, you'll notice that like D is holding that fork thing like above her head 
trying to get it on top. Do you know what I mean? That seems like this might be great to be tall. You don't have to lift your legs as high going through the rope grid and you have more of a bird's eye view when you're stacking the bowls. I can see that. I think the disadvantages to being taller is usually that means you're bigger. So you'll have bigger feet and mm. bigger legs to try and avoid touching the rope grid with. Right. So I think it probably ends up evening out. Right. But at the end, it could be a big advantage, yeah, to stack yes. those last couple of bowls. Well, shout out to Spellman on TikTok who commented at us and was excited to hear what we thought about Jake breaking the challenge. Yeah, and we don't mean with a life hack. You know how they say that. What, they say breaking for a hack? Yeah, like he broke the challenge. Like he, he figured oh. out a life hack around it. <laughs> he literally broke this challenge. This gave me the vibes of a toddler and a parent. <laughs> Jeff says to Jake, setting clear expectations and boundaries like a parent should, if you break that challenge, you are out. Jake, like a toddler, ignores him and stomps <laughs> all over this precious item that Jeff had handcrafted just for him. Well, to give some context, Jake had just knocked over. He was at 13 of 17 bowls. Right. He had a large stack and had was close Crushed behind that it D. Fell. Mm -hmm. In second place, and he knocks it all over. Yeah, it broke him as a as a man. <laughs> so he's trying to go back. So instead of stepping through the rope grid, he just decides I'm going to step on the rope grid. Mm -hmm. Jeff sets his boundary. Jake ignores it, and then Jeff says, "Okay, you made your choice. You broke it. You're out of the game." And then Jake is like, "No, ah! you gotta be kidding <laughs> you me, gotta man! You gotta be kidding me, man!" Runs off to the side, has a little pity party. And it's just like, he must not have heard Jeff say that. Like, that was such a big reaction. But it's like, you literally did the thing that he said, if you do this, then you're out. Mm -hmm. Jake, he lost it. He, he lost, lost it. Everything. Mm -hmm. His, his mind, pride, his chance at winning. His dignity. <laughs> yeah, everything. He was, I think he felt like he had a shot at at doing something. Like, this was going to be his... His crowning achievement right. was winning immunity to get into the final three. And he knocks over all his bowls and just is, he's wants it to end. Mm -hmm. He wanted it to be over. I think when Jeff said, if you break that challenge, you're out. Jake was thinking, I kind of hope something happens to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Put me out of my misery. Exactly. It's D's to lose at that point. Yep. She just has to stack the last four bowls. No one's even close to her. Austin keeps knocking his over. Katura is doing a good job of not knocking them over. But unfortunately, she's incredibly slow. <laughs> Dee is able to pull it out. She takes breaks. She tells herself to stay calm right. out loud. Mm -hmm. And is able to get that last one stacked on there and win the final immunity challenge. And punch her ticket to the final three. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. She shares a really tender hug with Jeff. I was so happy for Dee in this moment. It was hard to not feel like a little emotional. It did feel like the wind ceiling move for Dee to me. I thought as soon as she won this, I thought there's no way any of these other three can make a case right. that they played a better game than yep. Dee. I just don't see it. Direct quote from Jeff, there's a lot of uncertainty, but there's one thing we know for sure. D is in charge. And I'm thinking, yeah, Jeff, we've known that for a long time now. Yeah, she's the, the unstoppable She's force. literally been in charge this whole game. She has been telling everyone what to uh -huh. do for 12 weeks now. 
we get a confessional of Jake as they are coming back to camp. He's frustrated. Mm-hmm. He says he's got a snowball's chance in hell. Uh-huh. But, you know, he's not going to give up. He's going to keep going. But he just wishes he was a bigger snowball. <laughs> he says, I just wish I was the biggest snowball, but I got to work with what I got. Jake has had some crazy sayings this season that I've never heard of. But just like all the other ones, I looked this one up and a snowball's chance in hell is a real saying. Oh, yeah. I know this one. I've never heard it before. He's a broken man back at the beach. I mean, he's been struggling. And you could just tell in all his conversations with the other players, with the producers, like he's not giving himself any credit for his attempts. No, he's not. He is just... He's just feeling like beaten down. Yeah. I mean, you can only fail so many times and he's failed a lot. Right. And there, it's hard because like he found an idol. He's like planned several moves Mm -hmm. that would have worked if it weren't for other people. Right. Making mistakes, basically. Namely, Keturah. Yep. uh, Other people too. You know, his whole Bellow tribe. If Jake had been on the Reba tribe to start... Instead of Sifu, for example, if they switch tribes, Jake has a way better chance in this thing. It's true. Jake talks to Katura and kind of tearfully says, please let me make fire. I need this. Yes. Which is very admirable. Yes. I don't know what it is about a grown adult looking at another grown adult and tearfully saying, please, I need this. But it's a, it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Have a little dignity, all right? <laughs> Couldn't be worse than what does Michael Scott say? Please, I need this too. He's trying to pin Kevin down on his lap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Couldn't be worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's Ryan. I think it's Ryan. Yeah, maybe definitely Ryan. <laughs> Basically, D decides before they get to tribal council that she's going to put Jake and Katura in the fire making. Austin tries to convince Dee to put him in the fire making because he wants that on his resume. He wants that little extra thing to push him over the top. Dee is not, not going to have that Mm-mm. smartly. She knows that she and Austin are close. She knows she has the upper hand. I feel like she has a really good grasp on where mm-hmm. the jury is. And she knows she's got the upper hand on Austin. But putting him in the fire making challenge makes them closer and potentially gives him a slight advantage right in terms of their resumes so she's determined to bring austin to the final three with her make jake and katura duel katura now knows that she is officially going to have to make fire and so she has her little pity party in her confessional where she's crying and just says she doesn't know if she can do it and then she gets her third person confessional where she her confidence gets built and she says I am Katura, and what if Katura pulled this out and beat Jake? And I just knew then. All right, at least she's had some confidence in her. When they start thinking, when they start speaking in third person, at least they're feeling good. The third person always is a good sign. That's right. I've also got another quote here from Jake. All right. He's talking about building his fire, and he says, "I'm gonna put every last bit I got into the tank, and then throw the tank in with it." <laughs> that would actually help. His fire making. Yeah. Then get a really tender moment. Um, one of my favorite scenes on Survivor that has played out a few times where somebody who knows how to make fire goes and teaches the person who doesn't know how to make fire how to build a proper one. 
Austin approaches Jake, who is struggling in the little jungle part of the island, kind of um, failing at his fire, and he teaches him how to build a great base and to get that fire going. Reminds me of Carson and Jam Jam from last season. Carson was struggling at crying, and it was like reminding him of kind of his personal shortcomings, and Jam Jam, even though he was going to be competing against Carson, just put that aside and thought, you know what, like, this is a kid who needs help, and I'm going to help him. It's always such a cute moment. Every season, this kind of sparks a debate as to whether or not the final four should be a fire-making challenge or if it should be a vote. And there are a lot of passionate people who feel that it should be a vote at final four. I know we talked about this a little bit. I actually really like the fire-making challenge at final four. I do too, for multiple reasons. Let's hear yours. First of all, it's not the only way to get into the final three. Mm -hmm. There are three ways. Number one is to be good at challenges and to win the final immunity challenge. That's Mm -hmm. the best way, right? That guarantees you that and it gives you more power in choosing who gets to the final three. Right. Number two is to have a great social game and be taken to the final three by the person who wins immunity at the final four. That is just as valid a way, in my opinion, to get taken to the final three. If you can convince that person to, to bring you, that's great. Right. Number three, learn how to make fire. You're out there for 29 days or whatever it is, 27 days. Just learn how to make fire. Practice every single day. Yep. There's This game started 20 plus years ago as a survival game. The surviving part was a huge part of it. Building a shelter, you know, finding food, all that was a major part of it. Now it's not so much. Right. Now it's much more of a social game. This is one way that Survivor can hold on to that Survivor part of of the show. What's interesting is that probably unknowingly you touched on the three pillars of Survivor. The first winning challenges, which is to outplay. Then on your social game, which could be to outwit. Mm -hmm. And then on winning or on being able to actually build a fire and Survivor in the wilderness, which would be outlast. Yeah. So, yeah, you demonstrate one of those things, you can be brought in. The thing that I love about the fire making challenge, A, it's just for the pure entertainment standpoint, keeps you on the edge of my seat. It's yep. the most intense part of Survivor. Mm-hmm. The second thing being, this is how somebody who is actually a fantastic player can weasel their way in to the final three. Yep. Take Rick Devins, for example. It gives them a shot, at least, where if they were just a vote, everybody would have just voted him out. Yep. But this at least gives a shot for that good player to make it into final four, to make it into final three, almost like the shot in the dark. Yeah. It just is a way to help the good players not be penalized for being good. I love it. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I think it's much better than having a 2-2 tie, which is usually what happens in the final four. Right. Unless there's one strong, you know, overwhelming contender in the final four that it would be a rare three versus one vote. It's usually a two-two tie between two alliances and you end up having to draw rocks or something like that. Yep. Which is not nearly as fun. Mm-mm. Or well, usually in a tie, they actually do the fire-making challenge anyway. Right. Well, let's head to the tribal council. Tribal council number two. They start off by Katura telling everybody what D told her, which 
was she doesn't mention that D would be making her make fire, but she does talk all about how D said she was a threat and didn't feel comfortable sitting next to her at the final tribal and all the blah, blah, blah. She says, I did secret moves that I didn't let anybody else see. <laughs> so this made me know that you guys can actually see that like I'm a good player and you saw my secret moves. Yeah, they're so secret that nobody knows about them. <laughs> the faces of the jury when Katura said that like she was a good player told me everything I needed to know. <laughs> Emily saw right through mm-hmm. that BS. Bruce was like, what? <laughs> Emily made me laugh. Emily really stole the show here in the last 45 minutes of the episode. Yeah, she's a star. She was awesome. <laughs> I, made her, I, made, I missed her. Usually in these final, like the final four tribal councils, we watch a contender building fire against somebody. Mm-hmm. And this was an interesting change where we got to watch two losers. <laughs> so the fire making challenge is that they each get a little station mm-hmm. and they have a kit, which is, has all the um, materials you'd need to build a fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rules are pretty simple. You, the first person to, Build a fire that is hot enough and high enough to burn through the rope that is suspended over the top wins the third seat at the final tribal council. Once they burn through the rope, it raises a little flag. Yep. Very fun little contraption. I have got a little breakdown here of how this goes. Give us the breakdown. Starts off strong. Jake sets up his fire the way Austin taught him to. Aww. Uh-huh. Katura also sets hers up. Um, don't know who taught her that method. <laughs> Jake gets fire first. Katura gets a flame, loses it. Jake's flame burns higher. Katura, lots of sparks, no flames. Jake, fire grows stronger. Katura gets a little flame. Once again, it goes out. Jake, his rope starts to burn. Katura continues to work. Jake's fire burns the rope and he earns the final seat at Tribal. Tells Katura she'd be an amazing lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) You could tell that Katura was way more annoyed that Jake told her she would be an amazing lawyer than... When Julie said it. Yeah. When Julie said it, it like meant something to yes. her. When Jake said it, she was like, okay, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's so true. Jake gets hit again with, it, right at the end, he tells Katura, I love you, Katura. And Katura says, I love you guys. <laughs> Second episode in a row where Jake has been. This is so sad for Jake. Nobody can respond to him directly. <laughs> Jake's final and last weird phrase comes out mm-hmm. where he talks about his dream and of being on Survivor and he always thought it was pie in the sky. I had also never heard that one. Yeah, pie in the sky. I've heard that one too. I haven't. It's like a dream that's yep. unachievable. Mm-hmm. This was such a great moment for Jake. He's emotional. He could just feel it. Yeah. No, definitely. He said it's one of the his, best moments of his life. His first W of right. the whole season. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's had a lot of uh, in, like W's for the audience. He's been very enjoyable to watch. For sure. But in terms of as a player, this is his first good thing to happen to him. Right. If nothing else, that was what this fire making challenge was for, mm-hmm. was to validate Jake's journey. Final beach day. The final three. We have Jake, D, and Austin. They start talking about the jury and we get some slow-mo jury headshots of them peering into our souls. Uh This actually reminded me of when you go to a sports game, Uh you know, on like the Jumbotron before the game starts, they'll like play like a hype video of the team Uh and it'll show them like, you know, like palming a basketball and holding it out to the camera looking extra (laughs) tough. 
Uh-huh. That was the vibes this was giving that me. Was exactly right. Yeah. Expecting some flames to shoot out. <laughs> yeah. It's always hard not to skip through it, but mm-hmm. they, I did. They <laughs> <laughs> I did skip through it. <laughs> I watched it for educational purposes. And uh, first, you get the final three kind of in their confessionals talking about why they think they should win the million dollars and what they're preparing to tell the jury. And then they talk about each member of the jury, kind of give a recap of the jury members' games. Almost like an in-memoriam type right. situation. Uh-huh. The the funniest of all of these, well, I wouldn't know about Caleb's because I got a random commercial for a Hyundai de- car dealership in Kentucky that came on <laughs> and blocked out Caleb's entire segment. Sad. So I don't know what happened there, but Jake has his his confessional where he seems to be deluding himself into thinking he's maybe got a chance. Like he's oh, no. hyping himself up, saying the other two's played safe games, but he didn't play a safe game. <laughs> I think he's confusing the word safe with smart. Mm-hmm. The other two played smart games and Jake didn't play <laughs> such a smart game. I think is maybe a better one, but um, at least I thought that's good for him. It's better to go in thinking you've got a chance than to have already consigned yourself to right. defeat. Well, if you skip through this part, should we just skip through it as well? Absolutely, we should. <laughs> okay. We get to final tribal. I took the liberty of writing down each of the jury's questions. Okay. I thought I could just read them off, and if you have something to note of the their answers or anything else, we can stop. Yes. Okay, first we have Kendra. She addresses all three and says, how did you take Survivor by the horns? Like... How did you take this game and not waste a single second? Yeah. Anything to note? How did you yellow it up? That's what she was asking. <laughs> I think this was a great question for Jake because he has maintained that taking Survivor by the horns, he's always been like, oh, I'm sad, but at least I'm on Survivor. You know, like he's always spun it to be happy and like to just be like having a good time. Yeah. I thought this was a funny question to come from Kendra. Because she didn't take Survivor by the horns? She couldn't even eat the worm. <laughs> she just... Put it in her mouth and swish it around a little bit. (laughs) And I also liked Austin's answer, which was that he reveals that he was an alternate for the show. Oh, yeah. This was good to know. Yeah, which you didn't know that. And so basically he said that gave him a new lease on life. Like he felt like he was living on borrowed time. He came out there and just was happy to be there. And I also you could also see that in his game. On to Couture's question where she asks, what were moments you had in this game that terrified you? Really great answer by Jake, where he says that he tackled his fear. He tackled, wow. (laughs) (laughs) He says he tackled his fear of failure in a really emotional story, which was awesome. At this point, I'm thinking, wow, Jake is a star. I I agree. I put in my note, if Jake wins this, this will be the greatest fumble of the bag in Survivor history. If he can steal this one away from D or Austin. Honestly. He he was looking good, those first two questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were tailor-made for him. Honestly. Once we started talking about the brass tacks, yeah. <laughs> getting to actual strategy, things took a turn for the worse. <laughs> Drew's question. Juice- <laughs> wow, I am just on one today. <laughs> Drew's question was for D and Austin. What did you bring to the Reba 4 Alliance that made it successful? And this really pit Dee and Austin against each other. Yeah, thank goodness. I thought Dee needed this, but she doesn't handle it great at the beginning. Mm-mm. Like Dee needed the head-to-head to show where she differentiated herself from Austin. Right. 
And because Austin had a lot of the public moves, right? Like he, he had the amulet, he had the idol, but D was really the one who was headstrong enough to dictate the moves. Absolutely. And she was the only one at the end between her and Austin who was willing to withhold information from the other. Right. For her own benefit. Exactly. She doesn't bring up any of that. No, and she should have. You're right. She dances around it and continually says things like, I just played with my heart and I was just my authentic self. Emily asks her, sorry, I'm skipping ahead to Emily's question. Mm -hmm. Emily asks her, tell me specifically like a move that you made that was with your head and not your heart. Yeah, her question exactly is, tell me one time you made a choice with your brain, not your heart. Do you have one of those? And Dee says no, Mm -hmm. which I get what she's getting at. She's not apologizing for playing with her heart, which is fine. But you you can say, I made strategic moves with my heart. Boom, baby. Like, you don't have to say, I didn't make strategic moves. Yeah. Like, you say, I, I made, like, head moves, but together right. with my emotions. Or better yet, just say, say what you said. I made most of my moves with my heart strategically. During whatever vote, during the last vote with Drew, my heart wanted to tell Austin, but strategically, I knew that wasn't the right move. I withheld that information. So good. Mm-hmm. That that would have been great. She almost doesn't say that move. That's her best move of the whole game. Yeah, it was. And she almost didn't say yeah, it. Yeah, she kind of just like glides right over it. Well, Caleb's question is directed towards Jake. He says, what did you do that I couldn't? Basically asking him like, how did you stay here this whole time? Uh-huh. And Jake says, well, I wasn't as likable as you. (laughs) I wasn't as good at the game as you were, so (laughs) people just kept me around. Drew asks Jake, was there a method to your madness? Jake says, I don't think Dee and Austin tried to make smart moves, which earned a face from Dee, but... (laughs) (laughs) I somewhat agree with Jake. I don't want to say that they didn't make smart moves because the thing is, is that they were in such a power position that they didn't have to make moves. Mm-hmm. both Austin and Dee bring this out that they were so insulated and that was exactly. their goal like, mm-hmm. that's what they wanted to be and I think that's the perfect word to describe their strategy this whole season is insulate themselves so that like both of them had two number ones exactly it's way hard for anybody to get one number one yeah and somehow in the same season two of the top three had two yes, number ones it was crazy I'm like how does that even the math doesn't compute yeah. on that. You can't have two number ones. The math ain't mathin'. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly asks Austin, what was the execution of the advantages you found? Austin says that there's some flash to having an idol, but not actually playing it. That's what you said. I definitely agree with. Yeah, you said that last week. And Dee interrupts him and says that knowing all the information like she did was even more important than having an idol in her pocket. And it's true. Having that information served her more than either of those idols served Austin. Austin kind of justifies not playing his idol on Drew Mm -hmm. as saying it was better for him, but really it was not. Right. Like obviously he would have rather Julie go home than Drew. Yeah. Katura asks Jake, why did you play an idol on me and not tell me the plan? This was a great moment for Jake to shine, which instead of shining, he stayed mad. He buries himself into yes. the sand. Yeah. I think the appropriate answer here would have been... Stays mad. <laughs> I think what he should have said was, well, I have seen 
time and time again in Survivor history and in this season that when you have an idol and you say, I'll play it for you, that person turns around to everybody else and says, they're going to play an idol on me. Let's get them out. That way we flush the idol and we get them out. Yep. So strategically, I decided not to tell you, but we did basically do a blood oath over my Nana's rave that we were going to vote together. <laughs> we made the unbreakable vow. <laughs> yeah. Instead, he just says, I thought it would look cooler. Yeah. Uh-huh. He said, I wanted to look flashy. Julie has a question for Dean Austin. She says, I would like to know more about your showmance. Best question Ooh. ever. <laughs> Dee had a great answer because Julie expands a little bit more and says, I want to know, was it strategic or was it real? Um, at first it was strategic and from there it was just natural. Yeah. Austin backs that up and says, you know, around day 20 or so, just felt like something had changed. Something was different, <laughs> you know. There was a sparkle in Dee's eye he hadn't noticed before. <laughs> this is where Dee exposes herself about lying to Austin and keeping Julie. Yeah, because... You know, Austin says he doesn't let, he didn't let that affect his strategic game. He had his relationship with D, but that didn't affect, you know, his strategy. He was able to keep them separate. Emily uses her patented phrase, I'm going to push back on that a little uh-huh. bit. That's, she did a lot of pushing back. She said, when I got voted out, it was because you told D and D told Julie. Right. So why did you tell D? The whole plan was to not, nobody tell D. Right. And Austin's like, yeah, I told D, but D didn't tell anybody. And this was a great, like, finally, Emily teed it up really well for D yep. to say, you didn't know this, but I did lie to you in front of the jury. Yep. She says that to Austin. I did tell Julie. I told Julie to play her idol, and I demanded that Julie vote out Emily to protect my number in Austin yep. because Julie wanted to vote you out. Just... Thank goodness she said it. Yep. I was so worried she wasn't going to say it. I know, because that was a huge move. Mm-hmm. And even while she was talking about how she played Austin like a fool, mm-hmm. Austin is looking at her in the cutest way I've ever seen. <laughs> He's like proud of her, in love with her. This, it was all the feels in that moment. Yeah, he just was realizing he got played. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you, or, those are all the questions. Do you have anything else to say before we move on to the final vote? I don't think so. I made my prediction that I think D had won it with that final expose on uh, on Austin. Nice prediction. They show a couple of the votes. They show Kendra voting for Austin. When Emily votes, they show her voting for D. And she has one of the most legendary <laughs> clips where she says, did you watch this part? Yeah, I did. Yeah, she says, if you spend one cent of that million on that boy... I will come down to Miami and personally take it from you. (laughs) Uh, So great. So great. Can't even take him to dinner. Sorry, Austin. (laughs) Jeff is reading the votes, and I honestly hate that moment when you realize that one of the people... Isn't going to get any votes. Exactly. Especially when that person is Carolyn, Jake, etc. It's like really sad. I want to say he deserved a vote. He didn't really deserve a vote, but he was such a great character mm-hmm. like he was such a great contestant to watch mm-hmm. that's why i feel like he deserved yes. a vote he, he gets the viewership vote I right i thought it was going to be a tie i thought it was too i thought there was a good chance i kind of wanted it to be a tie yeah me too i, I wanted d to pull through in the end but mm-hmm. i still thought a tie could have been really fun to watch i'm really happy with the way the votes shook out um ended up being d just had one more vote than austin 
And I agree with that. I'm glad it wasn't like blown out of the water because I think that Austin played a fantastic game. And I think he could have maybe spun it to win if he had talked a little bit differently. I do think D had a better game. So I, I, I just, I really liked the way that it all worked out. Yeah, no, I agree. I think D was, I mean, D played a dominant game. Mm-hmm. She never bended her will to anyone, really. No. And she just waltzed through the game how she wanted to play it. And her not only getting five of the eight votes is not an indictment on her game. It it just goes to show how strong of a game Austin exactly. also played. Yep. And it's no coincidence that they were attached to the hip. Right. Because they they needed each other in a lot of of key moments in the game. Totally. Now here's my question is how do you keep the power dynamic from shifting when your girlfriend suddenly wins a million dollars? Yeah. Because that dynamic has to be kind of awkward now, right? That is that's tough. You're gonna have to especially when it came with the condition of not being able to spend a cent. On him. Because that is rough. We have since confirmed that Austin and D are still together and doing a little bit of long distance. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's crazy because they live in different states, so I assume they're flying back and forth to see each other. And if I were Austin, it would just be kind of hard being like, I have to use my measly two hundred dollars that I own to buy my ticket to come see you. Can't you just pay for me to come out there? You're a millionaire. Yeah, she's gonna spend the whole million. On their long distance relationship. <laughs> I just wonder how that dynamic shifts, you know. Thank goodness Austin had already had the interest in her before she was a millionaire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not a gold digger. Yeah. Maybe he just knew that she was going to win. So mm-hmm. that's that's that was his plan all along. Our mailbag question last week was, we just wanted to hear everybody's predictions for who is going to win. We got some good ones. We have... From Micah in Belgium. He says, I think Dee's going to win because she'll tell Austin she loves him and that Drew was coming in between them. Then he'll forgive her and she'll kiss him when she sends him to the jury <laughs> to vote for her. <laughs> that would be an epic send off if she had blindsided him or sent him to the fire making challenge or voted him out of final five or something. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Maddie in Draper, Utah said, Okay, I 100% want D to win and have from like episode three, but I already know that the people I want to win never win on this show, (laughs) which is my number one pet peeve about Survivor. Well, look at that. Congrats, Maddie. I feel like the people that win are always the people that don't deserve it because the greatest players always get voted out before getting to the final three. Mm -hmm. So I honestly feel like Katura is going to win because they're going to drag her to the end with them thinking she isn't a threat until she unveils that she's actually a lawyer and has more game than anyone ever even realized. <laughs> Honestly, I'm already annoyed thinking about that happening. <laughs> Love y'all's podcast, by the way, the actual highlight of my week. That thank- makes me happy for Maddie. Thank you, Maddie. Yes, congrats, D1. <laughs> Katura, being a lawyer, I feel like being a lawyer this whole season, especially in the finale, was being talked at about as if it were a superpower. Mm-hmm. Like if a lawyer makes it to the final three, it's over. Uh-huh. Well, guess what? Jake got zero votes, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Being a lawyer doesn't help you that much. We've had so much fun this season. 
We appreciate all of the um, love, like, and follows on our social media account, specifically TikTok. You guys are awesome followers. We really did have a lot of fun. I thought this was uh, a great season full of really entertaining people. Yeah, the highs were high. The highs were high. I feel like there were some great moments. Not a perfect season, but, you know, we can't have our hopes up. Nobody annoyed me this season. That's not true. Even Bruce. No, you were annoyed by Bruce, Brandon, <laughs> oh, yeah. Hannah. Brandon, <laughs> yeah, what, we had some duds. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you liked this season, please consider giving us a five-star review, and we will see you next season. Bye.